Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. back to BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and this episode is the big fight preview for Liam Smith versus Chris Eubank Jr., the rematch we've been waiting for for a good few months. It was postponed. It was supposed to be in July. Now we are back here for the 2nd of September date between these two. A little bit of a grudge match, this one, guys. Really is, because the outcome in the first fight between these two was really wasn't expected in the fashion that it was. Maybe people did expect it. I don't think I expected it anyway. And I know Johnston certainly didn't think it would be as emphatic as what it was. And and again, as per the Big Fight Reaction show, Johnston is away. But he has given me his breakdown, which I will read out over the course of the episode about what he thinks is going to happen in this particular fight. But let's just take it back to their first outing Nobody really expected that. I mean, I didn't expect it. It, re- it really was a, a great way to start this year. You know, you look at that fight going back and you think, well, what we were supposed to see was Conor Ben and Chris Eubank in October of 2022. And then we had all this issue with Conor Ben, of course. And then Eubank had brought himself down to, to fight at a lower weight. So ultimately, he drops down and, and fights at 159 for the first Smith fight. And a lot of the excuses that came out after it from people that were fans of Chris Eubank Jr. was that, you know, he was quite weight-drained for the fight. And it, and it was an issue, and it was quite evident in the fight. It was difficult. People talk about punch resistance being affected in the first fight, but not really many people are giving Liam Smith the credit. Those that are Liam Smith fans, and obviously the family, uh, of course are going to give him that credit where it's deserved. He did put on a really good performance, Liam Smith, in this fight. Let's not forget that he systematically broke Chris Eubank Jr. down. And whether you believe that the first punch that went in, whether you think, oh, well, that's an intentional elbow and that's what caused the 
the ultimate damage which led to the demise and, and the stoppage of Chris Eubank Jr. Ultimately, the, the referee stopped the fight because Eubank had been down twice in the fourth round and the referee Victor Lachlan felt like it was a good time to step in and, and save Eubank from potentially further punishment. Eubank believes the fight shouldn't have been stopped. He should have been allowed to go out on his shield. The referee was just doing his job, protecting him at the end of the day. And Chris Eubank Jr. took his third loss in his career and, and the first time he'd been stopped in his career, which was, it must have damaged his pride and his ego just a little bit, mustn't it? It must have done that because, you know, this is Chris Eubank Jr. who talks about going to toe-to-toe and talks about basically being the guy that will fight anybody, trade with anybody, although we couldn't find his pen when the Golovkin fight came around, of course. We'll never let him live that one down. But he must have took a bit of a knock in his pride, even though he's he's not letting that slip and that facade is still there ahead of this second fight between the two of them. You know, deep down, if you're a fighter and you've, you've taken that loss to somebody when you certainly weren't expecting it and it's, and it's happened in a way where you're just kind of shell-shocked by it, it takes a little bit of mental fortitude to be able to go straight back in and, and, and go for that rematch and want to right your wrongs of that first fight. And that's what Eubank's trying to do here. He's trying to right the wrongs of the first fight. And obviously, we've had a couple of postponements earlier this year. So we've now got to the point where it's finally happening eight months after the original fight in January this year. And I suppose, what are people thinking about it? Like... Are people think it's going to be revenge or it's going to be repeat? Is it going to be the same as what the first fight was like? Well, as I said, I did get some notes from Johnston who did kindly message me whilst he's preparing for his leave. And he said, and this is his words about how this fight is going to play out. He said, I think both boxers have the power to hurt each other. Eubank will probably keep the distance and try to land at range, but Smith will want to close the gap, which is where he will pose the most threat. If Eubank doesn't get out of trouble, then it could be a repeat result. I see Eubank taking an early lead, playing it safe from range, being busy behind his jab, not wanting to get closed down or caught code again, while Smith stalks and tries to get into range, being patient for his openings. I believe the fight will go further than the first, but Smith will eventually get to Eubank to stop him in the later rounds. So Johnston solidified in his prediction that it will be a repeat performance just a little bit later on in the fight. It's really interesting this because Smith, at this point of his career, we were talking about like he's probably ready for another title shot, even at this later stage of his career. I think, you know, you look at his last few fights and he's, he's really sort of put himself back into that contention where in that super welterweight division, he was looking at potentially getting a shot in the future and obviously the champion at the moment as we know is Jamel Charlo who's now fighting Canelo so the openings might be there if he ends up losing belts as a result however he's moved up to essentially the middleweight division to fight Eubank Jr and had this success here so if he was to able repeat this feat in this fight the chances are he's probably going to stay up a middleweight and and fight because the belts are going to start to get fragmented very shortly in the middleweight division it looks like you know, Golovkin's done and dusted. So the belts that he has are going to start to get fragmented and challenges are going to start to get put forward for it. And I think if Liam Smith was able to repeat this feat against Eubank, he's probably going to be one of those guys that they're going to look at. You know, the different sanctioning bodies are going to say, oh, maybe, you know, Liam Smith should be put in this spot. And I know he's already been ranked by one or two of the sanctioning bodies already in this division. So it makes it interesting that this fight could lead 
whilst it might not lead directly to a title shot, it could certainly be the stepping stone for both of these men to eventually get a shot at a middleweight title if they choose to be in that particular division and stick around there. But let's just talk about the fight itself then. What's Liam Smith going to do any differently for this fight? I don't think he needs to do anything at all differently for this fight. I think what he was doing in the first fight was what he needed to do, which was to walk him down, pressurise him, put educated pressure on Eubank. Don't get drawn into to Eubank's style. Don't get drawn into to Eubank's mind games and tactics. Get, what you need to do is you need to look for the openings and look to get on the inside, look to bully Eubank, look to put that pressure on him because he didn't like that pressure in the first fight. And ultimately, that's what's led to the downfall of Chris Eubank in that first fight. So Liam Smith is going in there with the world of confidence, probably not needing to change many things up. It is really going to be about how Eubank reacts to this fight and how he comes out in this fight. And as Johnston was saying, he believes that Eubank's going to play it safe, take an early lead in the fight and fight from rage. Will we see that in this fight? It remains to be seen, of course. Will he adopt that approach? Will he go toe-to-toe against Liam Smith? Would you favour Smith as a heavier puncher in this fight, even though he's the one coming up in weight? Would you not naturally support Eubank? I don't think I'd support Eubank in terms of power in this fight. I'd actually support Smith because I do think he's got some heavy hands and he has hurt a lot of opponents and he's given a lot of opponents problems in the past. And I think it's clear from the first fight that that power, whether you want to say Eubank was weight-drained or not, that power was effective on Eubank and it did the job and it got the job done for him. So I'd probably favour Smith in, in that department. Has he got the skills, Eubank, to keep him at range? Has he got the skills and abilities to make it an easier fight for himself? Well, yeah, I do think so. I think he could have done that in the first fight. He elected to trade with him at times, and I think that's where his mistake was. He allowed himself to get pressurised into situations which he couldn't fight his way out of. And if he does that again for this second fight, I agree with Johnston. I think he could end up losing this second fight. I think it could be a later stoppage. I think we could end up seeing that. It just really depends on how these two guys adopt and adapt their game plans for this second fight. Will we see the same thing again? Or will we see a bit more of a cautious and tactile Eubank in this fight? Picking his punches more and not allowing Smith to get on the inside and pressurise him and back him against the ropes and back him into corners. Now, if Eubank's able to do that, I think he could have success with that. And I think he could potentially take this to a points decision do I think he could stop Smith I think if he was able to get some significant shots and and do some damage to him then yeah of course he could but his track record tells me that I think it's probably going to be more of a a distance fight from the Eubank perspective I could be totally wrong Eubank could come in there and absolutely go in all guns blazing and we could see something completely different but I'm a bit more inclined to agree with Johnston in this instance that I think he will try to be a bit more cautious. He'll try to be a bit more tactical about it. He'll try, in his mind, the the ego he has as a fighter and they do has a, as a family, I think he'll try to give Smith a boxing lesson. Punish him for rounds, as he would call it. He'll try to punish him over a fight rather than try to go for this spectacular knockout and leave himself open. He'll try to punish him and beat him down and be systematic over the course of a fight where he just makes Smith just look ordinary. If he was able to achieve that, then that's a really good way to bounce back. But I've got to give the confidence and the edge to Smith in this second fight because I think he's he's done something to Eubank that nobody has. He's, he's, he's put that massive chink in his armour now and he's shown that 
regardless of whether he's been beat before over the distance, is the granite chin that they all talk about and, you know, the ability to be able to take shots and the ability to be able to bounce back. I think that's got to have taken a little bit of a knock now, reputational-wise. And I think that's what's going to play a factor in this fight, is mentalities. And if Smith goes into it with the same mentality, the chances are he's going to he's gonna land and he's going to create an impact in this fight. If Eubank goes into it with a different mentality, more hungry mentality, a mentality that he's going to use his abilities and his skills and be technically better than Smith in this fight, then maybe he can do what I've said earlier, which is make him look a little bit ordinary. But it really does all boil down to how this fight plays out in the sense that how do they come out? What are the game plans? And we're not going to know that until the fight happens. And it's exciting because, to me, even though Smith won this first fight and he won it emphatically, I still think it's pretty much a 50-50 fight. Obviously, I'm going to give the edge to Smith, obviously. But in terms of it being 50-50, I mean that both of these guys can win this fight. They can. They've both got the ability to win it and win it well. And that's why I think it's a really good fight and a really good rematch for the pair of them. And I'm excited for the fight. I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm excited to see whether the adaptions can be made by the Eubank team and whether Smith will continue to put that pressure on and when, whether we'll see Eubank fold or whether we'll see him excel. It's it's all ifs and buts. It really is all ifs and buts at the moment. But I'm excited for it. It's a, it's a big fight. For me, it's a big fight domestically to see and a rematch we've been really looking forward to on this card. And there are actually a few fights on this card that I'm going to go through that I'd say... It's definitely worth looking out for. Now, it has been put on Skybox Office, this card. The first fight earlier this year, I can't remember. I don't think he was on box office this year. Someone probably will correct me on that because they haven't got it in front of me at this moment. But I don't remember the first one being on box office. If it was, forgive me. But the second one is on Skybox Office. Does the card justify the pay-per-view fee for it? not necessarily no but there are some good fights on this card some good lineups so i'm going to go through a few of the fights to let you guys know what to be tuning into on this card if you are going to be watching it this weekend then one of the fights that really interests me is florian marco and dylan moran in the welterweight division now dylan moran's someone who we had on our podcast very early on when i used to work under the esbr label when i used to go out and do the interviews at the shows when i first started the podcast the very first episode was actually Dylan Moran and Kieran Farrell with me. So to see Dylan on this stage now at this point in time is is really good. And I did message him actually on Instagram and, you know, he sent me a message back and was very thankful for the message and said, we'll catch up soon and as you do. But it was really good to see him on this stage and getting his opportunity. You know, he's 18 and one. He's got that one defeat on his record. And Florian Marcus 12-0 and one. And he's coming into this as the favourite. But Dylan Moran's a really good boxer, really, really good boxer. And I've been waiting for him to get an opportunity like this for a long time. And I hope he really shines on this stage. Florian Marku is a, is another fighter, a pressure fighter, systematically wants to break the opponents down, wants to get on the inside, wants to bully him against the ropes. Dylan Moran can fight on the inside, but he's more of a range fighter. So it is a clash of styles here between the two. And it's which style is going to come out on top. A lot of people are going to favour Florian because Florian, of course, has been on this stage. He's been on TV. He's been shown in these fights. He's had some difficult fights and he's overcome adversity. And I think fans won't have seen that with Dylan Moran. And as a result of not seeing it with Dylan, you're automatically, as a fan, you're probably looking at Florian as the guy that's going to do this. But please don't sleep on Dylan Moran because it's going to be a really interesting fight in the welterweight division. 
A fight in the heavyweight division, which surprised many, was Fraser Clark. Now, he was looking for an opponent. We wanted to see Fraser Clark versus Fabio Wardley. There was issues over whether that was going to happen or not. But in steps, David Allen. David Allen, who has been in with some really, really top-level fighters. Obviously, Louis Ortiz being one of the best. David Price, Lucas Brown, he's been in there with before in the heavyweight division. But I thought he was done. I thought he was done and dusted. And then he comes back and he's fought three times in the past three years. He fought earlier on in February and he's now back to take this fight against Fraser Clark. I don't know what people's opinions are on it. I don't know if people are feeling a little bit mixed on it like I do. I feel a little bit of a mixed emotions on it. I feel like Fraser Clark needs a good test at this stage of his career. I know he's really early on. He's only eight fights in with this fight, but with his age and with his experience, you'd expect to be able to move him on quicker and he didn't get the title fight, the British title fight with Fabio Wardley. So now David Allen steps in. Is David Allen going to be good enough to cause that upset is he going to be good enough to cause that that problem that Fraser Clark needs to solve I think he's certainly got the wherewithal in the ring to give something for Fraser Clark to think about but ultimately I see David Allen at this stage of his career as somebody who's kind of been lined up for Fraser Clark really to to get a little bit more experience against it is a step up on his resume don't get me wrong it's it's a, it's a good fight for him but at risk of David Allen feeling like a little bit of a being fed to the wolf situation, I wouldn't want to see him get hurt against Fraser. And Fraser's a big puncher. He's just not had the opportunity to really show how good of a fighter he is yet in this division. So I'm a little bit concerned about the matching for this. In paper, it seems great. And people will go, yeah, Dave Allen. I know Dave Allen. Dave Allen, he fought Ortiz. He fought. He had a great win against Lucas Brown. But then you're forgetting the times when he got systematically beat down. And you get worried about fighters when they get beat down in this way. And that's what worries me here. I hope he isn't just being fed to the wolves. And I I hope legitimately, you know, David Allen's doing this for the right reasons. And it isn't just a a really good payday for him. But for Fraser Clark, it's a step where he needs to go. It is a step forward. And it is a fight to tune into because it is intriguing to see what Fraser Clark can do against David Allen. David Allen being one of those opponents who's known as being very, very durable, doesn't get stopped that often. So this is going to be a really interesting fight. Also on this card, Adam Azim, 8-0, moves up again, facing Aram Fanian, 23-1. He's looking to continue on with his really good career so far. He's had a really good career, I'm not going to lie. I've I've enjoyed watching him in his fights so far, in his step-ups, and people are already getting really excited about where he's at at the moment. I'm always keen to keep people grounded when it comes down to this sport because you've got to remember some of these guys what they need to do and what needs to happen with these guys is that they need to have that apprenticeship that resume they need to build a resume up and 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 it's good moving fighters forward in the careers and it's good giving them the step up so don't step them up too soon is this a step too far for him uh, honestly no even though Fanny Ann's record suggests you know he's very experienced which he is he's you know he's got 24 fights in his career he's only lost one he's only had five KOs on his record the Ukrainian fighter but ultimately as he has he fought fighters that are of, of a note to the to the audience no he hasn't he's fought most of his career in Ukraine barring one fight in Germany and one fight in Mexico yes okay he's 
he's obviously got a really good record. He's got a winning record. He's only had one loss in 2018. But what this does for Adam Azim is it if he if he destroys him in this fight, it makes Azim look even more of a of a hyped fighter. But if Adam Azim goes the distance over the ten rounds with him, to me that would be more what I'd I'd like to see for him. I'd like to see him get rounds in. I'd like to see him get experiences and a bit of adversity in his fights. He's got six KOs out of them eight fights, so he's stopping a lot of the fighters. In his last fight, he went the distance and he, he dominated on the cards. 100 to 89 on all of the cards. So he dominated the fight, but he was good because he got the rounds in. Okay, people you know, weren't always happy about that because he'd been knocking everybody out and stopping them for the last few fights. And, you know, a good win against Ryland Charlton last year really, really sort of stepped up his, you know, his hype in terms of where he's at. And I think a win here would just continue to, to get that resume up and get a really good deep resume behind him before he starts getting stepped up in rounds and stepped up again to that level where, you know, he's going to be up against legitimate fighters that are going to cause him problems. And I think for me, you've just got to be careful with these fighters. You've just got to be careful that you don't make mistakes too soon with them and throw them in too soon with, with big fighters. Because if you do, and then they come up short, then who gets the blame for that? That's the thing. Who then takes responsibility for, for those decision-making processes? You've got to give Adam the time to build that resume a bit further. I know people will say, well, how long do you need to give a fighter to do that? But look, this is his ninth fight. If you're coming at me 12, 13 fights in and he's continuously progressing at this level, then I'll be one of them that says, yeah, do you know what? I think now's the time. Now's the time to move him on. They're doing an okay job with him. I've got to admit, they're doing an okay job with him. I don't know if everybody agrees on that, but I think they're doing okay with him so far. And I think as time goes on, we'll get to see whether they'll not just jump in for the fact that he's knocking people out and they'll jump in for the money fight too early against a, a stronger, much more tougher opponent, or whether they'll continue to nurture the fighter and actually give him the opportunity to progress at a good pace and good levels where that when he does step up to a big level and fights for for really big titles, that actually he will be ready for them. That's what worries me if they don't do it with him. But if they do, it's going to be a really exciting journey for us as fight fans, definitely. Well, also on this card, Michaela Mayer steps in on this card to face Sylvia Bortot, 11-2-1 in a 10-rounder. Now, obviously, she must be licking her lips at the moment at the fact that Alicia Baumgartner tested positive for a banned substance Bam Gardner's trying to clear a name, as is Dillian White, and as is Robert Hellenius, and as is Connor Ben. Uh, not looking good, is it, at the moment, guys, with the amount of fighters that are testing positive for banned substances. So, Michaela Mayer now must be thinking, right, well, what about my fight with her? You know, was she on this performance-enhancing drug then? And I can, I can understand how a lot of these fighters that are on the opposite side of the fence who fought somebody who's then gone on to test positive. I can understand where they're at, but she's keeping herself active and she's fighting in the super lightweight division. She's moved up in weight. And I think now it's an opportunity for her after beating Lucy Wildhart earlier this year for the WBC interim world lightweight title. She's now moving up in weight in this fight. I don't know where she's really going to sit in terms of her weight at the moment, but she's got the skills and abilities to certainly be back in a titles, title situation very soon for me because... The more of these fights she has, I feel like the more sort of wasted she is. I think she's a really, really good fighter, and I would really like to see her in a title fight soon after this. Well, the other fight on this card to watch out for, then, the one that's going to be chief support to the Liam Smith-Chris Eubank fight 
is the British super middleweight title fight between Mark Heffron and Jack Cullen. It's a real domestic rivalry going on here. A really good battle of Lancashire. A really good battle of two guys from different parts of Greater Manchester, which have been on a little bit of a collision course for some time. Jack used to be in the middleweight division. Mark used to be in the middleweight division. They've both moved up. They've both started to have a bit more successes in the super middleweight division, with Mark now, of course, being the champion of Britain. And then Jack moving up and, and fighting Diego Pacheo in his last fight and losing in four rounds. Is he being fed a little bit to the Wolves? I don't think so. I think it's a good fight, this, with Heffron. I think it's a competitive fight between the two of them. And I'm actually looking forward to seeing the fight happen. Mark Heffron's been around for, for it feels like forever for me. I think it's because he's been around around about the same amount of time I've been doing this for in terms of, uh, in terms of boxing and the media side of things. But his career's really started to take a, an upward trajectory over the past couple of years. I think since he lost to Denzel Bentley in 2020, and he lost that middleweight title bout between the two of them, he came back, he had a couple of layup fights, and then he got his big fight against Lennox Clark last year, and he got a really big win against Lennox Clark. And that win has really sort of put him into that position now in this super middleweight division in Britain where you'd start to think he's going to be ready for, for bigger and better opportunities soon. But I think he needs to get past Jack Cullen. And I think he needs to get past Jack in emphatic fashion to be considered superweight division. Because if you think about the super middleweight division domestically, you've got a great fight here with Jack Cullen. Who's the best other fighter in this division? Well, you've got Mark Jeffers and you've got John Ryder. You've got Lerone Richards. You know, Zach Shelley, I know obviously he's just been beaten by Mark Jeffers, but he's still around. That was a fight that was supposed to happen between Heffron and Shelley, and it didn't happen. And now we get Cullen instead. So I think if Heffron gets this win at this point, he's going to start moving on. He's going to want to move on to, to, to better honours. And with obviously John Ryder still floating around, is there a domestic rivalry there that could happen for John Ryder? He's obviously not fought since coming off the back of the loss to Canelo. Is he going to fight down at this level again? I personally wouldn't say so. I'd say he'd be ready for another big fight in the super middleweight division. So that really leaves Mark Heffron then to look at maybe foreign opposition and maybe look at bigger fighters in the world rankings and look at other fighters he can go forward with. But he's got to beat Jack Cullen first and that's not going to be an easy feat for him, to be honest. He's got a difficult task ahead of him. Jack Cullen is going to come in and he's going to try and bully Mark Heffron. And I think these two styles are going to adapt really well with one another because I think they're both similar style of fighters and I think it's going to be like a fight in a phone box that old cliche saying I think it is going to be one of those fights because these two guys are very similar styles Jack's going to want to try and put it on Mark Mark's going to want to try and put it on Jack but ultimately I think Mark's going to have a little bit too much in his locker in this fight for Jack Cullen and I think he will win and I think he will stop Jack later in the fight but it's going to be an interesting one to see and to see where these fighters go if Jack takes another loss consecutively, does he start to think about where his career is at at that point? Does he move back down? Does he move up? I don't know. I don't know what the plans are for Jack Cullen, but I know with Mark, with him being with Joe Gallagher, they're trying to really move him forward now. So it's it's really interesting to see how this crossroads fight, so to speak, is going to go down. So that's the card overall between Smith and Eubank. And I think it's not 
a bad card. I don't know if people will agree or disagree on that. It's not a bad card. Lauren Price is also on that. I failed to mention as well. She's also fighting on this card as well. So if people are looking forward to seeing her in action, she's also on there. Uh, there's some good domestic cards going on. We've got a really good card at the Bowlers Exhibition Centre in Manchester. And then we've also got a card down at the York Hall as well this weekend, which I'm looking forward to seeing the results of some of those fights and some of those fighters as well. There's no major American cards on this weekend, although one of our former guests on the show, Andre Novitsky, is also fighting in his fifth professional outing. He's being kept really active by Anatoly Dudchenko at the moment. He's now had five fights after this one this year, which is really good, you know, in terms of, of where his heavyweight career is at. And if you listen to that episode, you'll know that he's got a really good amateur resume and he's been in with some really good fighters uh, within sparring so they're really trying to push him on pretty quickly so maybe he's one that I would say to keep an eye on this weekend to see how he gets on uh, but that is really it for this weekend's fights there's nothing else major going on this weekend in terms of fights and at the time of recording this there's no major gossip and major news going on I'm sure that'll change by the time this goes live and, and in the days preceding this episode going out there on social media into the podcast world. But that is it for this episode. As always, if you have enjoyed listening to the show, please let us know at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and YouTube, and TikTok. If you want to give me a follow, you can at Sean BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram as well. Of course, we are going to be back shortly after our holidays. We've got the next episode of the Career Profiles podcast coming on the 4th of September. We then will return. We'll look at doing reaction shows and big fight previews for the fights coming up in September. A few more episodes left of the season of the Career Profiles podcast, and then we will get back into recording for season four of the Legendary Nights podcast. I'm really excited for that one to return as well with some really epic tales to tell in the Legendary Nights stories. Well, that is it for this episode, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the BTR Boxing Podcast Big Fight Preview. Will Liam Smith repeat his feat from January this year, or will Chris Eubank Jr. be able to overcome and potentially give us a rubber match between the two of them? Really exciting fight. Both me and Johnson think that actually Liam Smith is going to be the one that comes out the victor in this fight, but I'm looking forward to seeing it, and I'm looking forward to reacting to it next week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.